Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shazam Cast, Earth's Mightiest Captain Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Jeff. Just a heads up, I don't know if it is cold or allergies, but I'm a bit under the weather, so please forgive the nasal delivery here today. As promised last time, this week we'll be looking at Action Comics Annual number 4. If that issue doesn't stand out in your mind as particularly important to the Captain Marvel character, well, you aren't wrong. However, for me, it is about as significant as any comic can be, because this is the issue that made me a Captain Marvel fan. I was 10 years old when this issue came out in January of 1992 as part of that year's crossover event for DC's annuals. Just the age to fall headlong into fascination with this amazing Captain Marvel character. Not to sound grandiose, but in some ways, this issue is the origin story for the Shazam cast. Nostalgia. Here we come. This issue, a 55-pager, can be had for incredibly cheap. It's quite possible you'll find this in a 50-cent bin at your local comic shop. If not, you can turn to eBay, where there are currently several high-quality copies up for sale for $5 or less shipped. Considering the page count, even that price isn't too bad. The cover to Action Comics Annual Number 4 was done, interestingly enough, by Joe Casada, a name not often associated with this Marvel, and Jimmy Palmiotti. It's a strong cover, with Captain Marvel holding an enraged and slobbering Superman in a headlock, his fist poised to strike the Man of Steel while, for his part, Superman grabs at Marvel's arm and cape. This issue is part of that year's crossover event, Eclipso, The Darkness Within. If you are not familiar, Eclipso is an ancient god of revenge within the DC Universe who has been trapped on the moon but, in story, was recently freed by a Daxamite. Eclipso's M.O. is to possess people, specifically through a black diamond known as the Heart of Darkness. He takes possession when those holding one of the black diamonds give in to anger but is only able to operate at night because solar power, excuse me, solar light, is his Achilles heel. Inside the book, you have Dan Votto providing the story, while Chris Wozniak handles pencils. There are also approximately 600 people inking this book. I'm not going to spend much time on the artwork. I'm sure Wozniak is a fine artist, but I didn't much care for the look of this book, and I'm not really familiar with anything else he has done. The story opens with Booster Gold, Fire, Ice, and Superman trying to talk a depressed man by the name of Professor Bennett into helping them fight Eclipso. Superman, by the way, is huge. Like, Rob Liefeld gave Captain America man boobs huge. Anyway, Bennett can't even, so Superman leads the team away, despite Booster venting his frustration that superheroes never get any help from the non-powered, earning a pretty sharp rebuke from Superman. Outside, on the rooftop, of course, the group deliberates next steps. In the conversation, we learn that Eclipso has possessed the people living in the town of Crater Bay, and Superman's plan is to trade himself for their release, much to Booster's unbelief. I must say, I get the nobility of Superman's plan, but I'm with Booster here. You don't hand the enemy your most powerful weapon, at least not without calling Batman to plan first or something like that. Superman's departure takes up the next page, looking for all the world like a giant blue boulder sporting a square-jawed head. Also, in this shot, I think his legs are supposed to be crossed. But A, that's a weird posture for up-up in a way. And B, the way it's executed makes him look like he's an amputee. Left behind, Booster is feeling the weight of the odds against the good guys. 
But Fire and Ice aren't worried, because they have a plan. This plan involves a solar trap, created by Emil Hamilton, and the character referred to as Lex Luthor II, who in story is ostensibly Lex Luthor's illegitimate Australian son, and who, at this point, we don't know is actually Lex Luthor in a clone body. Their solar trap is basically a ginormous spotlight of solar energy, the one power that can drive Eclipso out of those he has possessed. And of course, there is a risk that it won't work, but none of that matters. Because when Fire notes how large the solar trap is, and the impossibility of moving it, Ice says, I've contacted someone who can move this thing and go head-to-head with Superman if necessary. And right here, my ten-year-old self felt his eyebrows raise. Smash cut from Hamilton and Luther to the town of Crater Bay at dusk, moments before Eclipso is free to come out and play. Superman lands and begins calling out Eclipso, only to be met by some guy he knows named Cross, whose wife is held by Eclipso. Superman tells him to skedaddle just as Eclipso addresses Superman. Reading this now, Superman's conversation with Eclipso, what with Eclipso's voice coming from multiple directions, is pretty creepy. Superman makes his pitch, and Eclipso tosses him a black diamond. At the precise moment that Eclipso takes Superman, Booster Gold flies in with good news that Superman doesn't have to trade himself. And see, this is why you always call Batman before going to do something rash. Much to Booster's chagrin, Superman is now being piloted by Eclipso, and declares in both word and deed his intention to kill Booster. A shot in the back from fire frees Booster from Superman's grasp. Booster flees back to Fire and Ice, only to find out that the plan they've developed needs more time, since the mystery partner hasn't finished setting up the solar trap. Ice tries to slow Superman down by encasing him in ice, as if that's going to matter at all. Fire then takes a shot at Soups, only to find out that he's better at immolation than she is. If you're reading along, we're on page 16. And isn't that bottom panel weird? I know it's supposed to be a perspective shot, but for real. As a kid, I thought Eclipso must have the power to make Superman a giant, based on the composition of this panel. While Fire is getting trounced, Ice and Booster have a nice conversation on the next page, and then we're back with Hamilton and Luther II. There's some more talk, ending with some brightly lit figure entering the room, but we don't care, because it has nothing to do with Captain Marvel. Back in the fight, Superman is closing on fire, and apparently Booster and Ice have hung her out to dry so they can catch up. Thankfully, however, right before Superman ends her, he's struck in the back by something moving incredibly fast, causing Superman to squeal in pain as he's driven with incredible force into the side of the mountain. On the next page, as the debris settles, Eclipso Superman asks, very originally, Who dares? And turns to see Captain Marvel standing above him, as it should ever be. I don't know if I'm just paranoid, but it appears to me that Marvel is rendered in a different art style from the rest of the book looking more cartoonish, as DC often portrayed him following his revival in 1973. Grumble, grumble. But I digress. Superman hits Marvel with a tree, as well as a big red cheese insult. And Vada really missed a chance here to land a sticks and stones may break my bones joke. However, we do get Superman acknowledging that Marvel is a worthy opponent. Oddly, Captain Marvel continues to address Superman as if the Man of Steel is in control of himself, something one would suspect that Ice smartened him up about when she first called. 
There's also the whole Superman's face is three quarters of the way blue. Which should have also clued Marvel in that something had changed with Superman. Not the strongest writing. Having said that, page 24 does give us an awesome shot of Marvel charging Superman. So kudos for that. The next couple pages are a back and forth between Captain Marvel and Superman, with Marvel consistently getting the upper hand. The other soups go to check on the townspeople of Crater Bay, and to no one's surprise, find them still under Eclipso's thrall. So there's basically a town mob bearing down on heroes. Among the townsfolk is a dreadlocked, non-human character that I, to this day, still don't recognize. If you're reading along, he's on the left side of the bottom panel on page 27. If you can identify him, please tweet or email me. There's lots of, well, fire and ice used to restrain the people of Crater Bay, while Booster Gold basically stays out of the way. Eventually, the town is caught on fire. On page 31, we're back to Marvel and Superman. Over the next four pages, the two continue their battle, culminating in Marvel being soaked in gasoline and lit on fire by Superman, giving us a close-up of Marvel in agony as he burns. Back to the battle with the townsfolk. Things aren't going well for our heroes. The heroes are executing a retreat action, not wanting to kill anyone, but the sentiment is not returned. We then cut to a scene on the cliffs above the town, showing Crater Bay to be engulfed in flames. The man named Cross from before is there and stumbles on the solar trap. He sees that it is set to not go off for another 40 minutes, so he reprograms it, drawing on his VCR programming expertise. Meanwhile, Marvel continues to kick Superman's butt. I love this issue. Booster, Fire, and Ice aren't faring nearly so well. They've been backed into a corner. At the moment of desperation, however, Cross's efforts pay off, and the solar trap alights, bathing the citizenry in solar light. I'm also realizing now there are multiple copies of that dreadlock thing I didn't recognize. Anyway, Eclipso in Superman freaks out about losing his people, and Marvel lands a haymaker. Marvel then gets Superman in a full Nelson and fly drags him into the solar trap's beam, just as the device fails. This distraction gives Eclipso the window he needs to free himself, sucker punch Marvel, and fly away, leaving Cap looking considerably worse for wear. In town, the rest of the heroes rejoice. Fire and Ice begin using their power set to put out the fires in town, while Booster goes to pull Cross off the burning hillside. Back in the smoldering town, Booster declares Cross the real hero and Cross is rewarded by a reunion with his wife, Carol. An angry woman from Crater Bay approaches the heroes and insists that they behold the leveled town they just supposedly saved. As they behold the smoldering ruins, a singed Captain Marvel descends from the clouds. Apparently the fight with Superman has also caused him to break out in hives or some kind of acne. When Fire asks Cap how he feels, he responds with a line from Wayne's World. Topical for the time considering the movie would be released the following month. The issue closes with the heroes looking into the sunrise pensively, contemplating a world in which Superman is possessed by Eclipso, while the editorial text points readers toward Hawkworld Annual Number 3, Robin Annual Number 1, and Superman Annual Number 4 to continue the story. So what do we make of Action Comics Annual Number 4? Well, it is clearly part of an otherwise forgettable crossover event. As I mentioned, the art isn't particularly compelling, and the story doesn't rise much higher. However, this is in fact a really strong battle comic, and for those of you who want to sort out in story whether Captain Marvel or Superman is more powerful, I think this suggests strongly that Captain Marvel is, 
even if it isn't by much. In that context, and considering the number of pages for the price, this is a fun read, and even the kind of book you keep around to hand to friends who want to know why you think Captain Marvel is so great. Okay, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Shazam Cast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode and the issue we covered today. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or through the Connect tab on ShazamCast.com. I would also appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes. Those help me know what is and is not working on the show, as well as helping other people find out about the Shazam cast. Just as an FYI, I have a very busy week professionally next week, so there won't be a full episode, but I'll touch base with you to let you know what we'll be covering the following week. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on the Shazam cast.